just again, just want to underline, underscore our worship this morning. What a great time we had worshiping God together as a as a church family, eh? That was wonderful. Um, there's nothing like uh, being together worshiping God, and uh, this morning was just another example of that. And uh, God always meets us; uh, He always meets us together, doesn't He? And uh, it was really great. So, Andy, team, thank you so much, Ryan. Way to go! Uh, there was, a, I think, there was a point there, and I'm not joking when I say this, um, and I don't understand it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Is there was a point where uh, a guitar solo changed into a prophetic solo? I thought this morning, and I don't understand that. I just think that you know, if, if God God can speak through a worship leader, God can speak through anybody, God can speak through somebody playing their guitar, and I just thought that there was something in that this morning, and uh, it seemed like that was, as they say, the TSN turning point, and uh, something happened there, and I thought it was really, uh, really interesting. I love, I love it when God uh, does things in a very unexpected way. This morning, we're diving into Exodus 33, and we're coming uh, soon to a close with our series uh, in Exodus. Joe's going to I think, take us to the end next week. Um, But uh, once again, uh, we see through Exodus 33 a demonstration of God's grace and His faithfulness to His people, uh, despite, as we saw last week, uh, their faithlessness. And uh, the message of Exodus 32 and 33, and Brent did such a great job last week, uh, the message of these two chapters is particularly relevant to us as we move into a new season. And I think it's fair to say that uh, we are in a new season as a church body. And uh, we, just a few weeks ago, we formed a new eldership team. And so we went from a team of four uh, to a team of seven. And, uh, you know, that's, that's uh, it's an adjustment. And, and we as a team, uh, we are adjusting to um, the, I guess, the expansion of our eldership team, and I think it's a really positive thing. So we have a new eldership team. We look forward uh, with lots of things on the horizon. As you heard this morning, we have a new Alpha course that's beginning at Mexicala Alpha, uh, Mexicala Rosa. See if you're awake. And, uh, you know, Alpha is an amazing, amazing uh, tool that God has used over the past number of years to bring and sweep people into the kingdom of God. And I love what Alpha represents and what Alpha uh, has been able to accomplish. And so we're doing a new Alpha. We're also in January uh, starting uh, something called the Big Story. So the Big Story of the Bible. And so once a month, and it'll, it'll go for at least 12 months, and so we'll probably take the summer off. But uh, we're going to start... Uh, once a month on a Saturday morning, we're going to be beginning uh, a course on the big story of the Bible. And uh, so it's your opportunity. It's open to anybody. So we used to have leadership development mornings once a month. Well, we're going to open this up to everybody in the church. And if you want to understand more about the scriptures, if you want to know about the big story of the Bible from Genesis right through to Revelation, it's going to be your opportunity starting in January. And so the first, uh, the first session will uh, be in sometime in uh, January, probably around the third week of, 
of January. We don't have a date established yet, but it will be in January. We also, as you heard this morning, we have the, pro- the possibility of purchasing a plot of land, a four-acre plot of land in Southwood Park. And uh, as you heard this morning from Joe, uh, for about seven years now, we've been a church on the move. We've been meeting in various places, and we've, we've been a bit challenged, actually, uh, in finding a consistent place to meet. As Joe said, we've outgrown our building on Brunswick Street, and we moved from there to the university, and from the university to here. And shortly in January, as you, as you may have heard, or you, I guess you're going to hear now, we're going to be moving again. Because we are uh, going to be taking uh, Christ Central from the Fredericton Trade and Convention Center across the street. We're going across the street to the Crown Plaza. And so we're going to be meeting at the Crown Plaza. But yet, we always have had this desire in our heart to have something more permanent. And so maybe, just maybe, this plot of land has something to do with it. And so we have this possibility. So it... At our church, at Christ Central, we want to be a community that reflects the grace and mercy of the risen Christ and the power of His Spirit, not just for ourselves, but for our city and beyond. And so there's lots of things going on. Lots of things happening. I mean, yesterday we had our Christmas carnival, and we use these events as tools and opportunities for people to see that, you know what, we can have a good time and love Jesus, and we want others to know His love as well. And so we have these opportunities to do that. If there's ever a time that the Exodus story, and more specifically the saga of God's chosen people, the Israelites, was relevant, it's now. Despite all of the great things that we're pursuing, we need to be like Moses in that we don't lose sight of the most important thing of all. Even in the face of all that God has done for us, even in the face of all that God had done in the life of Moses, he treasured one thing more than all the experiences that he had. Let's briefly recap his experience. Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, and we heard it weeks and weeks ago when we began our series on Exodus Moses first meets God and sees a burning bush. And God calls him to deliver Israel out of the clutches of Pharaoh in Egypt. He says, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You'll lead them out of slavery to the promised land, the same promise I gave to Abraham and given to you. And Moses, with his knees knocking, was a little nervous about this. He said, I don't want to do it on my own. Who are you going to, who, who's going to come with me? Who's going to go with me? And in verse 12, you have the key verse. And God said, but I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. And lo and behold, he brings the people out of Egypt. And God is with him. His presence goes with Moses. And of course, God was with Moses and delivered the people out of Egypt miraculously. Having led them, the people get to Mount Sinai and in chapter 19. And from 19 to 32, Exodus recounts encounters with God on Mount Sinai. Encounters with Moses, encounters with Moses and the people. In Exodus 19, Yahweh, we sang to Yahweh this morning. 
descends on the mountain in fire and makes a covenant promise to Israel. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And God speaks the Ten Commandments in the hearing of the people in chapter 20. You can read about it. We already preached about it. Moses goes up and Yahweh gives laws to Israel about slavery in chapter 21. Violence, property, justice, festivals, and idolatry. He gives them all kinds of laws. He doesn't do it exclusively just with Moses. In chapter 24, we see the elders, the 70 elders, eat and drink with Yahweh in the mountain. Then Moses, for 40 days and 40 nights, goes to the top of Mount Sinai, receives various laws about the tabernacle, the priestly garments, the consecration, offering burnt offerings, incense, and even the Sabbath. The whole point of the whole story is that God was with Moses and the people. It's the whole point. As you heard last week, but while he's gone, while Moses has gone to the top of Mount Sinai, the people wonder where Moses has gone. He's been with them the whole time. So they get a bit nervous, anxious. They grumble and they rebel. And they get Aaron, who's Moses' brother, and they make an idol, a calf, and they start to worship it. We heard about this last week. Of course, God's anger was aroused. As we, as we heard from Brent, Moses interceded on behalf of the people and they were spared. They were spared. God forgave them. They were spared. But many were killed. And there was a plague that even visited the people. So that it wasn't without its consequence. And then we come to Exodus 33. Our scripture for today. So let's read this together. I want to pray before I read the scripture. And we just want to, we, we need to get a sense of what it is that God wants to underscore to us today. So Father, this morning, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you are gracious, you're good, and your mercy extends to us. And the same promises that you gave to Moses you've given to us. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you represent us to the Father. We thank you. Lord, I pray this morning that the words that I would speak would be words that you author. Lord Jesus, that you would, would, by your Spirit, strengthen us and encourage us and give us hope and grace and mercy for the future. In Jesus' name. Let's read Exodus 33. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned 
and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. There's a message in that we don't have time today. There's a whole sermon you could preach just on that one sentence. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence won't go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for, the man, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. In Exodus 33, we see God telling Moses to go. Go into the promised land. This is the moment that they've been waiting for. For the things that have been building up to all through the book of Exodus, it's to hear. Go into the promised land. Now's the time. Go. And so God gives them an angel to go before them and drive out the occupants of the land. 
The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Many peoples. It's amazing. So I'm going to give you an angel. He's going to go before you. He's going to drive him out for you. I'm sending you an angel and knock them all over in front of you. Success. What if that were the case with us? Christ Central people lining up to get into our meetings. People getting saved. Wonderful street ministries, exciting youth work, a new building, alpha courses going on regularly. All with a champion angel of God doing it for us, leading us along the way. It'd be so easy. Sounds good, doesn't it? But God said to Moses, I'm not going with you. Because of the people's sin, you're going without me. Oh, you'll take the land, as I am a God who keeps his promises, but it will be without me. How would it be for us as Christ Central? To have all the success, to have the angel of God go before us, to have all the things that we have dreamed about happening as a church. And if God said, I'll send my angel before you, but I'm not going with you, what would our response be? The people were distressed, they weren't rejoicing over the promised land. They, in fact, went into mourning. Under any other circumstances, the news of the angel would have been good news, but not this time. Not this news. And I would have to say, for us, it wouldn't be good enough, would it? Wouldn't be good enough to have an angel go before us. In fact, it'd be disaster. We could do all kinds of great things. But if Yahweh isn't with us, if God is not with us, what's the point? See, for Moses, God's presence was more important than anything. All the miracles, everything. He desired God himself. This goes back to Exodus 3. Back then... It was about the fear for the task ahead. Now it's about relationship. Now it's about the security Moses had in God. He's the source of his confidence. He knows God. God speaks to him as if he were a friend. It's about the love that Moses had for his God, that he had for Yahweh. He didn't want to lose this relationship. He met with God in the tent. The God of all creation would meet with Moses there on behalf of the people. He would speak to Moses as a friend. There was intimacy in their relationship. What a privilege. You know, we've met with God as a church. We've met with God as individuals. And as I was getting ready for this, I was sitting in my chair yesterday morning early And I was just thinking and recounting of some of the times in my past and in our past 
where God has visited us. God has presenced himself with us corporately. Oh, he's presenced himself with us as individuals. But I was recalling some times when, when we as a church together would experience the manifest presence of God. I think back to 1995 and I think back to 1996 and times when, when God's power was so heavy in the room that we couldn't stand. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. But how sad would it be if it was 1996 and not afterwards? God meets us over and over and over and over again. It looks different. It feels different from time to time, but God still meets us. We can meet Him. We meet Him together. We, meet him, we met him this morning together. He presents himself with us this morning. That wasn't just a bunch of emotion, folks. That's the presence of God in the room. We've had unbelievers come into our meetings enjoying worship. Every so often, I just like to look around and watch people worship. I love doing that. I love seeing the effect and the impact of, of God's Spirit. And sometimes I'll see people who don't, don't even believe in Jesus. They don't know really what's happening, but... I look at them and I see tears streaming down their face. And later when talking to them, they say, what was that? What was that? And one person one time said, that was good karma this morning. Well, I'll tell you what it was. It was the manifest presence of God. God's Spirit comes. Friday morning in my chair God met me presenced himself with me I know that would be the story for many many here sitting in my chair and I it's like you know sometimes you watch a baseball game you see the outfielder he's waiting for the ball you know he's waiting for the ball to be hit to him and all of a sudden it's like Somebody throws the ball from the outfield bleacher seats and bangs you on the head. It's like that kind of smack upside the head. It's like I'm, I, have, I put on this, actually it was the same worship song we sang this morning, No Other Name, and I found myself just worshiping God, God's presence coming into the room, tears streaming down my face. Just out of nowhere. I love it. God's presence. He's wanting to grace us with His holy presence not just today, not just Friday, not just last week, but as we go forward. God's presence is with us, folks. He's with his church. See, the same thing with Jesus in the New Testament, with the disciples. The same situation, fast forward. The disciples have been with Jesus for three years. Can you imagine what that would have been like to walk with Jesus? In John 13, 33, he says, Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me, just as I said to the Jews. So now I also say to you, where I'm going, you can't come. It's kind of like this situation with Moses in the tent. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered to him, where I'm going, you can't follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Jesus promised them later. They didn't understand it. They were desperate for him not to go, to be left on their own. Then 
They walked with God himself. They didn't want to be anywhere else. They wanted to be with him. Where else would we go? They said to Jesus. In other words, we're ruined for you forever. We want you. We want to be with you. John 14, 18 and 19, Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live also. That's what we carry with us today. I was listening to a song this morning, and it's like, who makes the orphans? A son and a daughter. It's Jesus. He makes the orphan a son and a daughter. Of course, after the resurrection in Matthew 28, Jesus commands them to make disciples, to go into all the world. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Big stuff, isn't it? A lot of great things. Going into all the nations, baptizing people, people understanding who the Father is and coming into His presence. Great stuff. But the biggest thing here is the last bit. I'm with you always. He's with us. He's speaking of His Holy Spirit. And that's what He's been talking about. Jesus, the Spirit, enables us to do the things that He commands us to do. We don't do those things to gain His favor. We do those things because He enables us in His Spirit to do them. It's the fruit of being filled with His Spirit. It's the fruit of the power of the Spirit of God that enables us to do those things that He commands us to do. He empowers us to do it. So the disciples wait for His coming, and in Acts 2, the Spirit comes. He's back. Jesus is back. But he's, it's better It's like, I'm not really a big fan of sequels to movies. I don't don't even, you know, like, I don't know why I'm thinking of this title of the movie, but Terminator. I never even saw Terminator, the first one, but if you saw Terminator, it couldn't have been very good. The second one probably was even worse. But the sequel here is better than the first. The Holy Spirit comes. He baptizes the disciples. And Peter changes from this coward who denied Jesus three times to this guy. He's standing on a balcony and he's preaching unashamedly with boldness and power, so much so that thousands are brought in and swept into the kingdom of God by the Spirit. It's amazing. He's with the disciples and us whom He's chosen and called. We can know God. We can be on the same mission. He's given us promises. Those promises are wonderful. And He may give us land in Southwood Park. He may not. But the most important thing is His presence. We can have peace. We can have power. We can have wisdom. We can have all these things. But the beginning of these things is His presence. If we don't have his presence, forget it. 
That's why Moses and the people were so despondent. The thought of losing the presence of God was far worse than the thought of gaining all that the promised land offered. Conquest, success, power, everything. As the scripture says, it was disastrous. I like the ESV version. It says it was disastrous to them. So much so they collectively went into mourning, symbolized by a shedding of anything that appeared extravagant. And it said that they did that from Mount Horeb onward. So they never went back to wearing it. Until they went into the promised land. They shed anything at all because they wanted so, so much to express to their father the seriousness of how it is that they needed him more than anything else. They needed him. They were mourning the sense of his presence. But more than that, the intimate experience of his manifest presence. They knew to lose his presence was to lose everything. Yes, they had rebelled. Yes, they had taken God for granted. But the wake-up call was when he said, I'm not going with you. Have you ever had one of those wake-up call moments? All of a sudden, the wake-up call happens. It's like you come to your senses. They came to their senses. They'd been forgiven. In chapter 32, we'd seen that. They'd been forgiven. Isn't that enough? Isn't it enough to have our sins forgiven? There's no doubt Forgiveness is great, it's wonderful, but it paves the way into what we are talking about. It's about being with Him. That's the whole point. That's the story of the big story. It's the intention of the whole of Scripture for us to be in a relationship, a living relationship with God Himself, to be like Adam, to walk with God in the cool of the day. If you know Jesus today and His Spirit lives within you, and you can't be a Christian if the Spirit of God lives, doesn't live within you. So if you're a Christian, God's Spirit lives within you. You can walk, we can walk, as Adam did in the cool of the day, speaking with our Father, communing with our Father, all the time, 24-7, 365. How good is that? The unfortunate part about it is, is there are many of us, myself included, sometimes who take it for granted. But what do I do when I have that wake-up call? I have to go back to the rock. I have to go back to Jesus. I have to say, Jesus, it's your presence. It's about your presence. It's not about, it's not about my success. It's not about my career. It's not about my friendships. It's not about my family. It's about you. If you don't go before me, what's the point? He's the wellspring of life. The Spirit of God is the wellspring of life. He is the giver of life. He's the giver of all that is good. And we miss so much when we don't drink from the fountain of delights, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit God. When you're in a tough place, what's your, what's your, what's your default mechanism when you're in a tough place i know what my tough place when i get in a tough place i know what my default is my default is to get wrapped up in myself and to get depressed that's my default that's my flesh my flesh wants me to become despondent 
But I love what Paul says. Paul says, I must beat my flesh into submission. David says, why are you so downcast, O my soul? I will yet rejoice in the Lord. It's when I'm in a tough place that my hands weigh 500 pounds. And I can't lift them. Paul says I can. David says I can. Because I have to choose. And sometimes it's the toughest thing to choose to worship God. Because my flesh hates the Spirit of God. My flesh, you know what? We're saddled with it for a season. Eileen Lindsay was saddled with it for a season. Not anymore. And if, she were, if, she, if we were to hear what she's saying right now, she says, don't mourn for me. Don't cry for me. Don't shed a tear over me. I'm having the greatest time ever. And I'm going to do it forever. And I'm with Bob. And we're having fun. And oh, she had to beat her flesh into submission. Don't you know? In these last months. Don't you know? But she would tell you this too. That if you were to speak to her 5, 10, 15 years ago, she would say the same thing when she was in good health. Even before Bob died and went to be with Jesus, she would tell you, there are tough times, and in the tough times, I have to bear down, and I have to go to the fountain of life. And I can drink from the fountain of life all the time. It was disastrous to the Israelites. Disastrous. So again, isn't it good enough just to be forgiven? It's great. It's wonderful. But it doesn't stop there. It's about being in God's presence. Do we as a church take His presence for granted? I'm just asking a question. Do we gather as a church with the expectation that as it is with us as individuals, can it be with us as a corporate body? Do we gather with an expectation that we, we can meet with God? How would we react if God said, I'm not going to be with you. I'm not coming with you. you can, but I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you the Fredericton Trade and Convention Center. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. Look, this week we got a letter in the Brad Woodside. Christ Central Church, Fredericton. I had a dream last night. This angel in my dream said, no matter what council says, FCC is Christ Central's. It's yours. Everything. Make as much money off it as you want to. Use it to spread God's word. Do whatever you want with it. Make millions for the kingdom of God. Plant churches all over Atlantic Canada. Do it. Do it. Go for it. And he came with the envelope. And then there was a still small voice that said, you can have it. It's going to be success. You can do it all but I'm not going with you. 
You can keep your FCC. Don't want it. Don't want it. Don't want it. Don't want it. I'd rather meet in Odell Park and have God's presence than have the fanciest building, the best plot of land. I want Him. I want Jesus. I want His presence. I want Him. It doesn't get any better than that. So what did Moses do? He met with God in the tent of meeting and he interceded for the people again. He pleads with God to be with them and the people. He reminds God of his promises to be with them and immediately identifies himself with the people. He takes a great risk. His presence is what distinguishes his people from all the peoples on the earth. That's why you're different. That's why I'm different. That's why this church is different because of God's presence. Let's not ever forget it. Notice how God responds to Moses. This very thing you've spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. On the basis of the righteousness of Moses, he promises to be with his people. He knew Moses and relented by changing his mind. The favor of God is extended to the people as an example of God's grace purely because of the relationship God had with Moses. The people were a rebellious bunch. They'd broken all the Ten Commandments before they even got them. They were unable to live a holy life before God, but for the intercession and the favor of one man, Moses, they were graced by God's presence. Last week, we found they were forgiven. Today, they've got God's presence because of one man. We ourselves are no different. We can never measure up. Our righteousness is of no value before God because of our rebellion. We're born into this world, separated from God due to the sin of our forefather, Adam. We fast forward to Jesus. Jesus at his baptism, Matthew chapter 3. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. His favor is extended to us. Jesus on the cross intends and gives us his grace. And he says, Father, on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Before we come to God, we seek other things. We don't seek him. In fact, we're unable to come to God were it not for the grace of God that opens the doors of life. We're dead in our sins and trespasses, the Bible says. You weren't drowning in your sin. You were dead, unresponsive. And God, on the basis of, his right, of the righteousness of one man, forgives us and grace, graces us with his presence. Don reminded us that a few weeks ago, reading Romans. I'm not going to read it now, but Jesus is the second Adam and gives us life. How much more will we have life through Jesus? Jesus goes with us. We can know the love of God because of Jesus. That's amazing grace. That's the amazing part of this story. So what's Moses' response? Does he tell God that somehow he'll pay him back? God says, I'll go with you. Oh, God, so great. Well, okay, what can we do now? Uh, Okay, we've got to do some stuff here. 
We've got to do something about this. We're going to pay back. How could we, ever, how could we do that? Of course, the Catholic guilt part of me kicks into high gear. When God's grace is bestowed on me, his unmerited favor is given to me, my upbringing says, I've got to pay him back. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. What's Moses' response? See, Moses understands how good this is. What's Moses' response? Moses says, give me more. Show me your glory. I want more of what it is that you've given me. He understands that his righteousness is nothing. And if God says, I'll go with you, Moses jumps off the limb and he says, damn the torpedoes, I'm going full steam ahead. Show me your glory, I want more. What's your response when God favors you? What's our response as a church when God favors us with his presence? It's not time for mourning, folks. It's time for rejoicing. We heard it this morning. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's our strength because his spirit lives within us. If he is for us, who can be against us? As difficult as it might be, I might not have any money in my bank account. All of my friends may have deserted me. But if I have the living presence of the Spirit of God living in my life, I think I'm doing okay. Moses says, show me your glory. Give me yet again a sign of your favor. I want more of you. That's the Gary Glant interpretation of that scripture. Come and be with us again. Our proper response is not to work harder, but to want more of him. That's what makes us different. He keeps giving us more of himself. The good things we do come as a result of his presence being with us. Not saying we shouldn't do good things, but we do good things because we want to do them. We get to do them. We get to. Seriously, I, I mean it when I say that. I'm not, we get to do it. You get to. You get to do good things. I don't need, I don't need uh, pay it forward day once a year to buy someone a Tim Hortons coffee and feel good about myself. We get to do good stuff all the time. You get to do it. It's not, not like, oh, I'm going to get my wallet out here. I'm going to give that guy behind me. Oh, there's a toonie. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I got, oh, I found a loony. No, we get to give out of the abundance that he's given us. Get to. That's what makes us different. All the good things we do should come as a result of his presence with us. We must never push his presence to the side. He graces us with his glory. Folks, we're in a new season. We need to be reminded of this. If he doesn't go with us, telling you, if he doesn't go with us, stay home. Let's stay home. I got other things to do. I I could shovel off my deck that's not shoveled. I could could fix the Christmas lights in the front of the house that aren't working. I I can do all kinds of things. If he's not with us, what's the point? But he is with us. I don't want to be anywhere else on a Sunday morning. It's not because I want to be in a meeting. It's because I want to be in a meeting. 
I want to be meeting with God and with you. Because I love you guys, but I love Jesus more. And he gives me more love for you. We can know the glory of God that Moses is asking for. He says, I want, your, I want to see your glory. We have it in Jesus. R.C. Sproul says this, The Shekinah was a radiant cloud of brilliant light within a cloud that signaled the immediate presence of God. For Jesus to be identified with the Shekinah was to be equated with the presence of God himself. Can I read that again? Let's compute that one. R.C. Sproul says this, The Shekinah glory, the Shekinah was a radiant cloud of brilliant light within a cloud that signaled the immediate presence of God. Ten of meeting, cloud, Shekinah. For Jesus to be identified with the Shekinah was to be equated with the presence of God himself. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. He is the radiance, Jesus, of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Ah, it is finished. He's done. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How good is that, folks? We can say, we can say, you have shown us your glory. We're not like Moses saying, show us your glory. He's done it already. He's shown it to us in the face of Jesus He's the exact representation of God. We have Him. He lives in us by His Spirit. To see Christ is to know the living God. The best part of this is that we're created to be holders of God's glory. You take it even a step further. We're containers of the glory of God. Think about that. That should get your pulse racing. Mine is right now. You see, the point of this is, we are, get this, we are tents of meeting. You're the tent. We're the tent. Me, you, us. Tents of meeting. Now that Jesus has come and has been glorified, we are containers of the presence of God wherever we go. We affect the places we go because His favor is on us and works through us. The unfortunate thing is that many of us have substituted created things for His glory. Again, we have this flesh battle, right? Times get tough, what do we do? We default to other things. We get sidetracked, just like the Israelites, trying to find our identity in ourselves, in others, or in religion, or whatever. And all the while... God says it's only found in His Son. It says in John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, all things come into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him, get this, was life, and the life was the light of men. It's only found in Him. Purpose is only found in Him. Truth is only found in Him. Your righteousness is only found in Him. 
The solution for your despondency is only found in Him. Nothing else. Not Dr. Phil, not Oprah, nothing else but in Jesus. Only Him. The church is who Jesus gave His life for. Christ central. Is that what we're seeking? Are we seeking Jesus? Are we seeking to be with Him? Are we seeking to experience His presence all the time? Let's hunger and thirst for Him. As we gather at tag tonight, we're not just, God, give us, can you, we just want to know if we need to have this land. No, we want you. We don't want to buy this land. We don't even want to put an offer in on this land. If it isn't for you, we want you. You know what? I just have a feeling we're going to have a big crowd at tag tonight. I really do. But it's not, it cannot be about the land. It's got to be about him. If he doesn't go before us, what's the point? Are you hungry for his presence? Are you hungry to know, God, we need to know from you? It's not, how much should we bid for this seal tender? It's, should we do it at all? God, be with us corporately. Come and fill us with your spirit. As we, as we come to you and we cry out to you, God, would you speak to us? Would you give us the inspiration we need as a church to move forward and do the, do the things you've called us to do? Because we get to do them. We get to plant churches. We get to have alphas. We get to do these things. He is the object of the appeal. It's not the appeal. His presence is more important than anything. It's what distinguishes us from the rest of the world. It's His glory in us through Christ. Amazing. Let's stand. I don't even think we need a song. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Who breaks the chains? Who's the one that opens up our heart? It's Jesus. It's his presence. Would you join with me? I would like to pray for us as a church. I would like to pray for his Holy Spirit and his presence to come and to so envelop us, and to so change our way of thinking that we understand that we are tense of meeting. Folks, let's not miss this moment in His Spirit. He is here with us. He's here with you. He's here with you. He is so interested in you. He is so interested in you as an individual. He is interested in us as a church. And He has plans and purposes for us that go far beyond anything we could ever ask for or imagine. That's who is here. It's the God of all creation. Light of light. True God of true God. Begotten, not made. One with the Father. Jesus. Let's pray together. Just as the Israelites did, they lifted up their hands. Would you lift up your hands with me? And we just say, Holy Spirit, we need you. Will we not ever lose sight 
the most important thing, and that is you. It's your presence. It's you that goes with us. If you don't go with us as a people, there's no point. Holy Spirit, if you don't go with me as an individual, I want you to just pray. I'd like for you to pray first for yourself here today. Maybe you're in a tough place. So oh, Gary's all fine and dandy. He's doing great. But I'll be honest with you, this has been a tough season for me. I'm just going to tell you, it's been very, very difficult. But you know what? My default must be to him. Your default as a person needs to be to him. So Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill me? Would you expose those places that need to be exposed? Just as Barb prayed that this morning. It's like he wants to, those hidden places that sometimes we hold as private, they're not private to the Holy Spirit. And he's not going to let you go until you just say, you know what, yeah, you can have those things too. Lord Jesus, we want to get to the root of the issues in our lives, and your Spirit is the only one that can do it. You're the ultimate heart surgeon. Would you do heart surgery on me today? Would you do it on us this week as individuals? Just let him come and speak to you. He's speaking to you now. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking you for our church. It's your church. You're the senior pastor of this church, Jesus. Who are we? Who are we but yours? We say to you as a church today, we're thirsty. Just tell them we're thirsty for his presence. Uh, You know what? There's power in just saying that. Jesus, we're thirsty for your presence. We're thirsty for you. We want you. We want you. We want you. We want you. We need your presence. We need you to go before us. We need you to go with us. Would you please, Jesus, would you grace us with your favor and your mercy and your grace? Would you come and fill us, God, with everything that you have for us? We seek you today. We make that statement. We seek you. Tonight, God, at TAG, we will seek your face. We seek you. We're not seeking land. We're seeking you. Father, would you help us as a leadership, Lord Jesus, that we will put all of our chips in the middle of the table and say, God, it's all in. It's all yours. God, would you help us as leaders, God? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you help us, oh God? We're trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen.